0: Mustang is a special podcast production of Boise State Public Radio and the Mountain West News Bureau. Support for this series comes from Barbarian Brewing, who believes all it takes is a few untamed minds, a little elbow grease, and a few pints of beer to make true innovation happen. boo Every morning, walk down through the sagebrush... Say good morning to Boo. Woo-ah-ah. Hey Boo! Somebody's ready for breakfast. Is it time for some breakfast, Boo Boo? Yes, but are you hungry? Okay, boo. While you're eating this morning, we have a little bit of work to do. I want to figure out what the heck you are. I have here a sheet of paper. Horse Ancestry Testing Form from the Animal Genetics Laboratory at Texas A&M University, Department of Veterinary Integrative Biosciences. We're gonna take a little sample this morning, Boo. So here are the instructions. We need 30 to 50 pulled mane or tail hairs with the root follicle attached. It may be best to pull five to 10 hairs at a time. We tape it to this form and then we send it in to a guy at Texas A&M. And he is going to tell us what you are, Boo. Because the truth is, we know very little about what mustangs are. They're basically mutts, and they're a product of their environment, and they're a product of horses that may have come from the conquistadors, maybe earlier, may have been released by the cavalry, or ranchers and settlers who couldn't afford to feed them anymore. And some of them, you know, were belonged to and bred by Native Americans. And there are so many different breeds that ended up in the wild in the West, And so figuring out what Boo is, is a big mystery. It's kind of like getting a dog at the pound and then wanting to know, yeah, is it a dachshund? Is it a German Shepherd? Is it a Labrador? I mean, I hope he's got some good stuff in him, but I have no idea. So I am really excited to find out. Okay, Boo-Boo. I have to pull some mane. I'm really sorry, buddy. Might hurt. I'll just take a few. Ready? I think I got some follicles. He didn't even notice, he's just munching. Good boy, you seem very not concerned by this whole endeavor. Oh, that was a good one, good job, bud. Okay, here goes.
1: I'm Dr. Gus Cothran, and uh, I'm an emeritus professor in the School of Veterinary Medicine here at Texas A&M University. We are a DNA testing laboratory where we test the DNA of a, of a horse of unknown ancestry and try to determine what kind of horses it is descended from.
0: So uh, have you done a lot of Mustangs in your, over the years?
1: Oh, probably about 12,000. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> wow. Maybe,
1: maybe more.
0: This is the guy to talk to, the Professor Emeritus of Mustang Genetics. He's been studying this stuff since the early 80s. So, all right, genetically speaking, what is a Mustang?
1: Well, it's a difficult question to answer, But basically, a mustang is a horse that is free-living. They're descended from domestic horses, but it could be various different kinds. They um, initially were called Spanish mustangs, and some of them still are. But very few today actually have any Spanish ancestry in their, their backgrounds. Yes. Really? They are quite a hodgepodge.
0: That Spanish ancestry he's talking about refers to the horses that were brought over by the conquistadors when they came to North and Central America in the early 1500s. They're generally believed to be the origins of the modern horse in North America. So, folks in the Mustang world often want horses with that Spanish blood. The Bureau of Land Management oversees 177 different herd management areas. Those are the places where wild horses live. So horses that live near Beatty's Butte in southeastern Oregon, for example, that's where Boo's from, are known as Beatty's Butte Mustangs, or Mustangs from the Beatty's Butte herd management area. And each of these herd management areas have horses with different genetic mixes. So some have genes that match strongly with Spanish breeds, some have genes that match with other European breeds that would have been brought by waves of homesteaders and settlers, the U.S. Cavalry, or others who came from the eastern part of North America. Mustangs today can be descendants from the horses of the Conquistadors, war horses, or plow horses. It's a big old genetic jumble out there. But each part tells a story. Now, I don't really care what Boo is. He's a good horse no matter what his genetics tell us. But I'm eager to hear what Dr. Gus Cawthorne found when he analyzed those hair follicles I sent in. So I waited to open the envelope with the results until I had him on the phone. Okay, so I'm I'm looking at his results. I was really curious um, to see because most days, I'm pretty sure he's part turkey and part jackass as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so, um...
1: Well... Let me just go to the overall results and what they tell tell me. And that is, your horse is very variable and probably originated from a number of different types of horse crossed. Okay.
0: So here's how Dr. Cothran knows that. His lab took Boo's genes and compared them with the database of more than 50 established breeds in North America to try to find matches or hits. Now, this test is not the 23andMe of Mustangs, the end-all be-all that will tell me who Boo's parents were, because we don't have that kind of data on individual Mustangs, of course. Rather, it spits out a panel of three established breeds that most closely match Boo's genes. So, the top breed match? Okay, so number one is Turkoman. What does that mean?
1: The Turkoman is you know, a Middle Eastern horse and they probably made some contribution to other European breeds back in the past. So, for example, the thoroughbred.
0: If you look at the family tree of horse breeds, Turkomans are close to the trunk. They're an ancient breed that contributed to many of our modern day breeds, like thoroughbreds, Arabians, and quarter horses all breeds that might have been used by the cavalry or settlers and ranchers in the West and could have escaped or been released over the past few hundred years or so. Okay, so number two on Boo's genetic match list.
1: Now the Mountain Pleasure Horse, the number two, so it's a horse that was developed in the eastern Appalachian to Kentucky region a couple of hundred years ago. It's kind of a general purpose horse, a riding horse, They are gated, so they have a a very smooth lateral gait that people find uh, pleasurable to ride.
0: How would that have made its way into the genetics of a Mustang herd?
1: Well, it's a kind of horse that a lot of people were riding its ancestors. So it still would have been a common type of horse for settlers to take with them when they left Kentucky or Tennessee or one of those places, and rode on this smooth gate all the way to the West Coast.
0: Okay, so Boo's maybe the descendant of escaped ranch quarter horses or cavalry horses, and then he's maybe got some genes from southern riding horses who came over with settlers from that part of the world in the 1800s or so. And then finally, number three on Boo's panel of matches.
1: Number three is the Garano, and uh, that's a Portuguese horse. The Garano is pretty closely related to... Uh, a breed from northern Spain called the uh, Galicino. So that is definitely a horse of the type that the uh, early Spanish might have brought to uh, the Americas.
0: So maybe my little mutt horse has some conquistador blood in him somewhere way back, mixed in with all the waves of settlers who brought a variety of different breeds of horses into the West for a variety of different reasons— He's truly a genetic hodgepodge, as Dr. Cothran said. Okay, but I want to hang on for just a sec here. Because all these breeds, when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, are a flash in the pan. They are a product of a few hundred years of human meddling with what is truly an ancient species. Horses actually originated in North America and evolved on this continent for millions of years, from tiny jungle horses to the modern-day Equus. They crossed land bridges to other continents along the way. But then, right around the last ice age, the horse disappeared in North America. Or at least, that's what mainstream Western science has long told us.
1: It went extinct on the continent about 10,000 years ago. And... um, it did not return to the Western Hemisphere in North America until the Second Voyage of Columbus.
0: But it turns out there's more to this story.
2: One of my elders said, you can't have a Lakota without the horse, my girl. Like, we go together. We're, we're two halves of a whole.
0: Dr. Yvette Running Horse Colin is the Executive Director of the Global Institute for Traditional Sciences, and she's a member of the Oglala Lakota Nation.
2: Like everybody else that went to through the American school system, I read in the textbooks that uh, Columbus brought all the horses, and like we stole them or something, we're always stealing everything, right? That's what they say about us, and that's what they make our children read. That's the worst part. Um, which again, what it does is it makes our culture derivative of theirs, which we know, I mean, we've watched this happen over and over.
0: I visited Dr. Running Horse Colin at her home in the Black Hills of South Dakota, the ancestral lands of the Lakota peoples, who have a long history with horses. And while I was there, she taught me something really important. Not just about Mustangs, but about science. I've been reporting stories about science for 20 years now. I was drawn to this beat because it felt pure, like there are these clear explanations and answers to our questions, instead of the messy he said, she said that you get in political journalism or other beats. I always love to think about science as this unadulterated pursuit of knowledge and truth that exists in a vacuum, free of the trappings of our prejudices and the societal influences of our times. But what really sunk in, as I spent time with Dr. Running Horse Colin is that's just not true. And when it comes to the science surrounding the origin of wild horses in North America, this widely held belief that there were no horses here when Columbus and later the Conquistadors showed up, that's actually pretty fraught when you examine it closely. Because it was created by one group of people, namely white Western scientists over the past several hundred years or so and it excludes a whole lot of other people and their knowledge. The mainstream narrative just continues to get
2: pushed and pushed and pushed, and an entire body of knowledge is ignored, um, passed by, purposefully pushed away, right? Any of these number of things. And so that is... um, something that we could not have happen if we were truly trying to understand the history of the horse in the Americas. Because whether they like it or not, we were the ones here. We were the ones here. We were the ones that hold that history and that understanding of how this, these lands shifted and how the life forms evolved. And so if you want to truly understand, we can't be excluded.
0: Dr. Running Horse Collin is trying to change the dominant narrative, or at the very least expand it, broaden it to include the knowledge of the Lakota and other indigenous nations, who say that the horse was here in North America all along. It never went extinct. There, there really there isn't evidence. There's not evidence for a
2: mass extinction anywhere. So where uh, some scientists would say, you know, that have that mainstream Western training, would say. Show us the the proof that they survived. And I would say, show us the proof that they went extinct. You should be able to find their bones, a mass extinction somewhere, and they can't.
0: Dr. Running Horse Collin did her Ph.D. at the University of Alaska in Fairbanks. Her research involved gathering information in many different forms from indigenous nations across the continent about their history with the horse. And when she talks about her research, she's very clear about why she did it. I uh,
2: was asked by a number of elders from different native nations if I would research the history of the horse in the Americas and its relationship with indigenous peoples. I didn't even know this was a topic of import, I'll be honest with you. And what I one of the things I loved, one of the elders who asked if I would do this work said, we're not asking you to play favorites. We're just asking you to put what we say side by side with what the rest of the world says and just research
0: it, like a survey PhD.
2: And I said, okay.
0: She gathered information from Native nations across North America who were eager to tell their stories.
2: And what surprised me the most, and it shouldn't have, because I understand overall how traditional knowledge works, but these were nations that weren't connected necessarily. I mean, they, we spoke totally different languages. North America is huge. Um, but not one of them said that they got the horse from the Spanish. Not one of them. And the stories had real consistency.
0: And that matters. Because if the horse was here all along, not some gift bestowed upon the natives by their conquerors, it becomes a different kind of symbol. It's a symbol of a culture that was intact, powerful, fully formed before the arrival of Europeans. It stands independent of colonization. For Dr. Running Horse Colin, it's not that Dr. Cothran, the horse genetics scientist, is wrong. The Spanish did bring horses to North America. My Mustang carries those Spanish genes. But that doesn't negate the possibility that some horses may have survived the last ice age in pockets around North America. That they held on alongside the indigenous people who were here. That's what Dr. Running Horse Colin and others believe, and they want to show the rest of the world. Before starting her Ph.D., she and her husband traveled all over North America, gathering horses from different indigenous nations to create what is now called the Sacred Way Sanctuary.
2: And so I was guided to very particular herds and very particular horses, and they can be identified or traced back to certain tribal nations, right? So we have um, horses from throughout the Ocheti Shakon, which is um, our term that would signify the concept of the Great Sioux Nation. That's um, I have uh, we have Choctaw horses, Pueblo horses, Cherokee horses. I mean, the it it, it continues representatives from from those those horses. And there are descendants of horses that have been with our people for at least centuries.
0: After she finished her PhD and started the Sacred Way Sanctuary, Dr. Running Horse Colin knew she needed to continue her research. So she brought hair and blood samples with her from her indigenous horses when she went to France There, she did her postdoctoral work at the Center for Anthropobiology and Genomics in Toulouse. She was part of an international team that included indigenous and non-native scientists who wanted to compare modern horse genes with ancient samples.
2: My work in the ancient lab was to take um, uh, fossils, um, some as old as 50,000 years old, from north america from ancient north american horses and then some that were more historical samples um, a couple hundred years old and to extract the dna from those samples and and then go through that process of um, analyzing their their genetic makeup
0: every day dr running horse Colin would go to the lab and suit up in protective gear to keep from contaminating the samples She was using deep sequencing techniques on cutting edge, very expensive equipment, basically combing through layer upon layer of DNA thousands of times.
2: It was really an honor to be able to work with the ancient remains of Shungwakan, of the Horse Nation. And yeah, it was, it helped me not to be so homesick, honestly, because I wasn't alone.
0: I was with them every day. And? she found that the genes from those ancient remains, from horses who had lived on the North American continent before the last ice age, had a huge overlap with the samples from her living horses.
2: Over 99% of the genome from the ancient Alaskan horses, 29,000 years old, and the horses that our people preserve today were the same. That's a beautiful um, match from our perspective. So for us, that's a celebration of the strength of the horse.
0: The findings were published in the journal Science. But for Dr. Running Horse Collin and her collaborators, perhaps most importantly, the research demonstrated a long overdue marriage between Western and Indigenous science. A true collaborative effort. The list of co-authors is long, and it includes members of many Indigenous nations in North America. Now, to be clear, these findings don't definitively prove that horses were here all along. But they do put some cracks in the dominant narrative that says they went extinct during the last Ice Age. And Dr. Running Horse Collin and others say the research makes a clear case for more exploration, more sampling of fossils and other ancient remains that might push the timeline of the horse's appearance in North America further and further back before colonizers came to the continent.
2: For me, I think it's revolutionary that people are starting to look, that are seriously starting to look. And it's very fitting that
0: the horse is leading the way for that. It was Victor Hugo who said, science says the first word on everything, and the last word on nothing. There is no last word on this. History and science aren't black and white. And I think the story of the wild horse is much more interesting when we can look at different perspectives side by side. So in our final episode, we're going to Lakota country. Dr. Running Horse Colin invited me to visit her during the Sundance ceremony in June. It's a ceremony that celebrates renewal and rebirth, and very few outsiders get to witness it. I don't think it was an accident that she wanted me there for that special time. Our conversation about wild horses and how we manage them and our future together was grounded in that spirit of renewal and rebirth. Because the truth is, the way we've been managing Mustangs isn't working. So it may be time to find some new, or perhaps very ancient, guides on this journey. Mustang is edited and sound designed by Liza Yeager. Art for the series is by Katie Michael. Did you know you are physically adapting to all your swiping, scrolling and tapping?
1: We're changing our bodies and what they're able to do through our habits.
0: NPR's Body Electric, a special interactive series investigating how to fix the relationship between our tech and our health. Listen in the TED Radio Hour feed wherever you get your podcasts.